So it's 9.32 this morning. We have the final edition for week three of our Effective Living series. And today we're talking about the health of your family. My guest is Dr. Kelvin Ousu, who is a, a medical practitioner Everywhere. with Optima Care and Diagnostics Accra at Rage. Doc, good morning. Welcome to the show. Good morning. It's good to be here. It's great to have you on the program. So you are, what are you, what kind of doctor are you? Well, uh, for now, I'm a general practitioner. Okay. Yeah, with interest in female health. Oh, you know. brilliant. I see. And preventive health as well. Very good. Preventive and female health. Okay. So today, I want people to understand why they must think about the health of their family holistically not just go to hospital when they are sick but also think and do preventive and planning so i just want to talk to me a bit about what family health is and why it's important and stuff like that okay so basically i mean the family as we all know is the basic unit of society mm-hmm. you know so every everybody belongs to a family now whether i like the family or not is secondary but every person you know belongs to a unit um, called family mm-hmm. and um, health is defined as a, the, the general well-being whether it's physical mental emotional mm-hmm. and you can extend it to financial as well so once all these things are well mm-hmm. you are considered healthy so you can say that family health will be the general well-being of the family unit mm-hmm. you know and it's very very important to have this um, have a holistic approach when you're talking about family health because mm-hmm. um well it's the basic unit and once we say it's a basic unit it means that the health of the individual families in a in a community impacts the general health of that community you know so if there if there's let's say an outbreak of a, of a disease or something mm-hmm. and the people are affected since they all belong to a family depending on how many families are affected it has an, a general picture and it can become it can become a global thing like we are having currently with a, um, the coronavirus outbreak etc i mean it started with individuals and then has spread has spread and now we have um, outbreaks in different countries apart from the, the original point of of, of origin mm-hmm. so the family is very very important you know mm-hmm. if, the, if there's a change in the health of a single person in the family <clears throat> and the people around this person don't notice this this these changes it can become a big deal, mm-hmm. you know. And so it's important that we have a holistic approach to family health. Very, so very is important. that why some families have one doctor as like a family doctor who knows their history and all those things? How, is that the, the way to go? In fact, that is the ideal. Mm-hmm. That is the ideal. And we wish that everybody or every family would have a particular physician that they actually go to. Mm-hmm. And in Ghana currently, there's actually a, a, a new, uh, uh, how do I put it? A, a branch of medicine that is dedicated to this, which is called family medicine, and the okay. practitioners are called family physicians. Okay, you know, so we, we don't have enough of them, but then the training program has, is, is ongoing, and so we in the future we're going to have a lot of that. Mm-hmm. And so, the, the idea is that if you go to the polyclinic clinics and um, some of the private facilities, these family physicians will be there, and everybody or every family has one. Mm-hmm. Who, who you go to every time you are ill so that that person will have your history. The, the culture in Ghana when it comes to health is very, it's not the best because um, each person in Ghana has about 10 hospitals like that they go to. Yeah. You know, they go to this particular place, they don't like the treatment or they think the treatment is not working. They don't go back for a review. They mm. go to a new person. So oftentimes we, we people are taking so many medications that are either trying to do the same thing or they they are they actually contra um, contracting on each mm. other. Mm. It's a problem, you know. Every time you go to a hospital and let's let's assume that the treatment is not working, the first thing to do is to go back to that same hospital. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, get that same doctor and have the doctor review what he or she had done in the pile previously mm-hmm. so that if there's a need to change it or there's a need to refer you you don't you you go to a new i mean like you follow that that chain mm-hmm. so that that history is maintained because every time you go to a new hospital a new folder is open so your history is scattered all over the place and that's not good at all so it's better to keep one doctor exactly one health facility for your exactly family. so what are some of the practical things we can do 
to maintain the health of the family <laughs> well this uh, you know the whole the whole um series effective living series has been has been quite educative for me myself mm -hmm. um, i have learned a lot about it and a lot of the things that impact on our health you guys have discussed it um over the period okay. you know because health is very very expensive mm -hmm. you know so when we talk about having a holistic approach to family health it begins with planning mm. you know planning is very 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 important you see once you plan for an event, when an event does happen, it's easier to handle it or it's easier to 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 cushion it, you know. And as I, and, and since health is expensive, it's going to cost you a lot of money. I'm talking about direct cash. It's going to cost you money to pay for the services. Mm. It's also going to cost you indirectly in the sense that if you are admitted or if the condition requires you to go and do this lab test or that lab test, you're going to spend time there. Mm -hmm. This is time that you could have used to make some money, but now you are spending it in the hospital or at the lab or wherever. Mm -hmm. And so you have to plan for your health. And when I say, when, when, when you're, if you're going to plan for your health, obviously you need to know who and who are in your family. You know, so we are going to, there's all, the traditional family will have a man which will be the father mm -hmm. uh, or the husband will have a woman who will be the, 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 the wife or the mother mm -hmm. and then one or two children. That will be the nuclear family. But again, in Ghana, a lot of families, we have the extended families as well. So you may have a cousin, mm -hmm. um, an auntie, a grandparent living with you. All these things form, all these people will form part of your unit of, of, of family. Mm -hmm. And so depending on your peculiar situation, you have to plan with all of these people in mind, mm -hmm. you know. And so, and one of the key things, one of the things that um, now has become quite important is insurance. Health insurance is very, very, very important. And I'm talking about, um, well, for the purpose of this discussion, I'm talking about private health insurance mm -hmm. because NHIS is available, yes, but NHIS has a lot of limitations, mm -hmm. you know, and, and a couple of hospitals are not taking it. So it's, it's always best to have an additional um, insurance which mm -hmm. can, you know, support you in times of need. And, and, and on, the, on the other side, psychologically, once you have health insurance, you are more likely to take your preventive health seriously. Okay. Because once, uh, once, um, sort of the the hospital bills have been taken care of by by your insurance package, you are more likely to go to hospital to have to have your regular annual screening. You are more likely to send your send your child to the hospital when he or she has a health condition and all these things. So psychologically, when you have insurance, it frees you from thinking about cost. And again, I'm talking about the direct cost, the, the money you're going to pay. So health insurance is very very important. So if you you know, then there are quite a lot of options out there. So it's very. I, I mean, I recommend that. If possible, everybody should get some form of health insurance because it's very, very important. It saves, mm. it saves you a lot of... So that's part of the planning. It's, it's part of the planning. Very, very important. Mm. And of course, um, um, because, because health is expensive, the insurance will take some of the burden. And most of the time, it takes a huge chunk of the burden. So it's very, very important. I mean, I, I can't overemphasize this um, issue of insurance. Mm -hmm. The second thing I would, I would like to touch on is um, when it comes to eating, mm -hmm. you know, you, what you take in, what you eat impacts your health. In fact, you are what you eat. That's what we say. And mm -hmm. I think the nutritionists and dietitians who have passed you have already mentioned that. And mm -hmm. um, what I like, so you have to plan your eating. Eating must be planned because when you plan it, you know that you're having breakfast, you're having lunch, you're having supper, mm -hmm. you're having a snack here, a snack there. When you plan it for the whole family, it helps again to keep you in budget. Make sure that you're also eating the right thing, right quality of food and all those things. And it prevents unnecessary um eating which then leads to obesity mm -hmm. and now we are having an upsurge in childhood obesity mm -hmm. a lot of our children are becoming obese it is not the, a good thing at all because mm -hmm. once you have once once you're obese as an adult you are predisposed to diabetes type 2 hypertension etc mm -hmm. etc et et so imagine all these risks being transferred to a child mm -hmm. so that child is going to be exposed to these risks at a much earlier age and you see the earlier you are or the, the, the younger you are when you develop diabetes and hypertension mm -hmm. the more likely you are to suffer the consequences also early so you'd have a child 
by the, by 18 years, the child is already diabetic type 2 mm-hmm. and then also has hypertension. Obviously, the quality of life of this child is not going to be like somebody who has who has had not, nothing like that and develops, develops their hypertension at the age of 40 or 50. Mm-hmm. You know, because hypertension and diabetes both impact the health of your kidneys. It can affect your heart, the, the health of your heart, you know, with, with, with atherosclerosis. So you're saying eating is a key determinant of health. It very, because very a key. lot of conditions are linked to food. I tell you, <laughs> it's amazing. And these lifestyle diseases you're talking. These are lifestyle diseases. Hypertension is a lifestyle disease for most for most people. Diabetes type two is also a lifestyle disease, you know. And so we have to pay attention to these things. And and so when you say the food you eat, let's let's talk about that briefly. So is it the fat? Is it the meat? Is it the sugar? What aspect of what we eat? predisposes us to things like hypertension and diabetes and all these things. Okay, so for starters, uh, let's understand that everything we eat is going to impact us. Mm-hmm. Everything we eat, and now we understand calories. I, I, see, I see calories all over the place. Mm-hmm. Everything we eat has some amount of calories. Mm-hmm. So whether it's protein, fat, or whatever, there are calories in there. Mm-hmm. And so it's not so much about necessarily what, what exactly you're eating. Understand that once you're eating, you're taking in calories. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're taking in calories and you're not expending those calories, mm-hmm. you're going to have a surplus mm-hmm. or you're going to have a balance of calories in your system. And that balance of calories is what is going to be converted to fat. Mm-hmm. So if you are e- if if you are eating too much protein, if you are eating too much carbohydrate, if you are eating too much anything, it's going to be converted to fat if you don't use it. Mm-hmm. You know, so when you sit down to have a meal and the size of meal you're having is a uh, two balls of kinky, plenty fish, egg, all those things in one plate, you are eating too much, and then you're going to have the consequences. You know, but having said that, depending on the age group of the individual, there are variabilities as to the amount of carbohydrates and the amount of protein that that person needs. So, for instance, if you look at a child, a child needs a bit more protein by mm-hmm. weight. When you compare the weight to the child, that child needs a bit more protein than an adult. Mm-hmm. What we see in, in our families is that it's the reverse. The parents get more protein than the children. <laughs> it should actually be the opposite. The, yeah. the, the children should get more protein than the parents. You know. But still, if you eat too much protein, it could still be converted to fat. Mm-hmm. And so, um, related to this, this eating matter, when you're eating so much and you are not exercising, so now, when we were, when we were growing up, our parents had a hard time keeping us indoors mm-hmm. because we always wanted to go out and go and play. Today, our parents are struggling to get their children to go out mm-hmm. because there are so many things happening inside. There's the phone, the tablets, the TV, the video games. Mm-hmm. So most of the children are not expending the energy they are gathering. So that is why we are getting a lot more childhood obesity today. Mm-hmm. And so we need to get our children active. They need to go out and play more. They mm-hmm. need to do a lot more physical activity than um, sitting inside and watching the screen because, again, research coming out is showing that screen time it's impacting the psyche of a lot of our, a lot of our kids. Really? Yes. In yes. what way? I mean, it's 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 not conclusive yet. However, preliminary results is showing that um, too much screen time affects the child's ability to interact with other children. That's number one. So their socialization is affected, and once socialization is affected, you know that it's going to impact how the person behaves. You know, so a, a lot more children are having tantrums. A lot more children are having attention deficit disorders. And they, 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 there's some preliminary evidence that is related to screen time. Wow. So we really have to, you know, monitor or, or manage the amount of time our children are spending watching a screen. Mm. It's not good. Wow. So f- more physical activity, more team, you know, mm. as they go out and play, they build um, camaraderie and all those things with other children. So it helps them to fit into society much better. 
interesting. So this is still effective living series. We are talking to Dr. Kelvin Ousu. We are talking about the health of your family, the health of your 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 your, your family, and he's basically talking about a, a holistic approach to family health, where you need to plan, and you also need to watch your food because there are a lot of conditions linked to eating. So in, indeed, you're talking preventive now. Yes. Because you're saying there are certain things you can do that can prevent certain conditions from coming. And that, that's better than seeking treatment for uh, a, a condition. It's definitely cheaper. It's cheaper to prevent than to actually cure. Mm. You know, so if you are if you are about all about saving, then you are better off preventing the thing from happening. So you put the right structures in place today, and the children, would, your children, will definitely grow in that system, and then they will, they will carry it forward. And but there are years. some people who say there are conditions that are hereditary. Yes. Can you talk touch on yes. some of those? So um, again, we mentioned we've spoken about hypertension, diabetes as, as lifestyle diseases, mm-hmm. but indeed there's also a hereditary aspect, mm-hmm. and it all comes back to the family. So the family gives you. Um, support. And when I say support, I'm talking about in terms of finance, in terms of a lot of things. Mm-hmm. But it also gives you a window to your own future. Okay. You know, so in the family, like uh, you have your grandparents, you have your your aunties, uncles, all the, all of these guys are part of the family. Now, when you look at them and you see what they are going through, it tells you what you could also potentially go through. Mm-hmm. So let's say you have a grandparent who has asthma, who has diabetes, who has hypertension, and has other things. It tells you that it is possible that you too, by the time you get to that stage, you have that condition. Mm-hmm. It becomes more critical when you have multiple family re- members who have a particular condition. Okay. So, you, so let's say in your family, by the age of forty, most of the most of the the people who are forty and above have hypertension or have diabetes. It tells you that it's running; in, it's in the genes. So it's possible that you could also develop hypertension at that age, regardless of what you do. However. People who have a family history of hypertension tend to develop their hypertension at a much younger age. Hey. Yes. And so if you if, if you know that there's a family history of hypertension in your family, it's important to put in the preventive measures now so that even though it's possible that you can develop it anyway, delay it as much as possible so that you don't end up having hypertension at 20 years. Mm. You know, because like I said, having it early means that your the probability of um, of getting the consequences or the, the the complications is much 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 more likely. Mm. You know, so knowing the family history is very very important. If there's family history of let's say breast cancer, especially in a male relative, ooh, and then you are you are a female, you know that if your male relative has developed what's it called breast cancer, the probability that you will develop it is even much higher. Because it's not common in, in males at all. So for a male person to develop breast cancer in your family, it means that the gene carrying the breast cancer is very strong in your, in your line. Mm. So you don't, you don't walk around with the regular guys in quotes and think that screening is not for you. You need to get screened more aggressively mm. than the regular population. Mm. If you have somebody in your family who has developed cervical cancer, for instance, mm. you need to take note of, of that and then get screened more regularly. Mm-hmm. Because it means that it could be in your gene pool. Mm. You know, so it gives you a window. Family history or family unit gives you a window into what your future could potentially look like. Mm. Obesity, obesity. Actually so it's also obesity is also exactly also genetic to an extent. Okay. But mm. whether you become obese or not, it depends on what you do about it. So if you know that a lot of the people in your family are big, you don't sit down and eat late at night and expect that you're, you 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 are not going to gain weight. It means oh, yeah. it will come naturally to you much much easier. Mm-hmm. In the same way, um, if your family has a lot of lean guys <laughs> like you, Bernard, <laughs> um, you can't you can't 
force yourself to gain weight mm. because it doesn't come naturally. It will take extra effort to put on weight. Mm. You know, so it's important that you understand this because it, it, the family mm. tells you all these things. So in terms in of treatment. hereditary diseases, is it the mother or the father that you... <laughs> is there a link? Because I'm told, for example, that a child's health, a lot of it depends on the mother. <laughs> I don't know whether that's true, but people say that. And I don't know. <laughs> so that's more of a social a social function or a social role. Oh, right. Because most of the time it's the mother that takes care of the house, mm. that feeds the children, that you mm. know groom, grooms the child. Traditionally, a lot, a lot of the families um, set up is such that the mother is who is the one who takes care of a lot of these things related mm. to the children. So whether a child becomes healthy or not, become it's a function of how well the mother takes care of the child. Mm-hmm. With respect to hereditary, um, it, the health of the child doesn't depend on the mother or the, the father. It's both because you get genes from your your mother and then genes from your father that come together to form you. Mm. So you are more or less, for lack of a better way of putting it, 50% your father, 50% your mother. Mm-hmm. As to which particular gene comes from your mother and which particular gene comes from your father, we can't tell. <laughs> you know, and so when you when you sit down and you notice that your mother's side has a lot of hypertension, mm-hmm. well, mm. you need to know that since I have my mother's genes in me, it's possible that I I may be I may go along the line of the hypertension. Mm-hmm. It could also be that if my father's side has diabetes, mm-hmm. okay, so maybe that's where my genes will take me to. If both sides have hypertension, then you know that there's no running away from it because ah. the thing is, it's coming from both both sides of the family. Mm. You know, so the health of the individual is a function of genes and also a function of um, circumstances, okay. so physical um, events. Mm. Let's talk about types of checks to do then because I, I am told some people are like it's important to do regular checks yes it's but i'm sure there are different types of checks health checks right just talk to me a bit about that so um you have to do regular checks at least once every year you should have your you should have a i mean health check to know what your status is mm-hmm. and unfortunately it's not common in ghana and so a lot of the time people come to the hospital and they have no idea what their baseline is and it is compounded by the fact that because they've been to multiple hospitals, nobody seems to have that data. And they're probably coming to me, the doctor, for the first time. And that data is not accessible to me because there's no central database. So every time you go to hospital, we, are, we literally have to start from ground zero, which is not good. Now, if every year, for instance, you go to the hospital and have setting basic lab tests done on yourself, mm-hmm. it gives you a baseline so that you yourself, when there's a change, mm-hmm. you yourself can even notice it much earlier. So some of the common the common things that everybody should do once in a while, at least once a year, should be to check your, your blood level, full blood count. Full blood you count? You need to do a full blood count at least once every year. Obviously, a full blood count. What does that mean? So they will take blood from your vein and then they will run some analysis. It will give us your hemoglobin level. So hemoglobin is what determines whether you're anemic or you have normal enough, enough blood. So that's what they say when, when I have enough blood or I don't have enough blood. This reference to your hemoglobin. Is that the same as HB? That's the HB. Okay. The hemoglobin is what carries oxygen. So if it's low, it means you're not carrying enough enough oxygen. So you're anemic. And that's why when you walk a short distance, yes, you are weak, you are panting and all, sorts, all, that, all of that. So it gives us your HB. It gives us the number of red blood cells you actually have. Because that's also an indi- indication of a, a few things. It gives us your white cell count. And under the white cell, it gives us a various analysis that can tell us if there's a problem or not. So the point is, when you do this test, we have a baseline. So subsequently, if you go to the hospital and they do a test and then there's been a change, mm-hmm. whether up or down, we can tell because we have a baseline. Mm. It's possible that, let's say, I'm just going to use some abstract numbers. Maybe your, your normal is 11. Mm-hmm. 
And so every time you do the test, it's 11. But then because the doctor does not know, you go and do a test and it says 11 and they say you are anemic. Mm. Meanwhile, maybe that is your normal. I get you. Everybody's you, normal can be different. Exactly. There's a range that we use, mm. but it's possible that you fall just slightly below the below the mm. range, but it's normal for you. Mm. You won't know until you have done some a couple of tests. Mm. Now, subs, uh, other tests you need to do will be to check your liver function. Okay. And there's a test called liver function test that you can do. Which a liver function test. Liver function test, yes, which will give us an idea how good or what state your liver is in. You can check. What does your, the liver do? Ooh, the liver is more like an industrial industrial center of the of the, of the body. So everything you take in by mouth goes to your liver. So the liver will sort of determine what is good enough to continue to to the rest of the body, and what's not good, which will be sent takes to takes out the poison. Exactly. So, the so liver, it means that the kind of food you eat can affect your liver. Yes, it can. Like anything that goes to your mouth can affect your liver. So somebody who takes in a lot of alcohol, for instance, because alcohol is um, kind of toxic to the body. The liver actually responds. So sometimes I'm sure I don't know if you heard something called liver cirrhosis. That's actually one of the one one of the I- impacts that alcohol can have on the liver. If you take too much alcohol, the liver is always trying to um, filter the alcohol out, and uh, and it's injurious. So some of the liver cells are damaged, and the attempt at repair and damage, repair, damage, repair, damage eventually leads to what we call cirrhosis. Mm. Of course, different things can also result in cirrhosis, but alcohol is one of the most common ones. Mm, so, so, the, so the liver function test is very, very, very important. Mm. Of course, related to the liver is the kidney. So you also have to do a kidney function test so you know the state of your kidneys. So what does a kidney do? The kidney is the f- one, one of the, another, another um, industrial center where it filters out a lot of things. So um, you, when, 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 when the liver rejects things, it goes to the kidney. The kidney now takes it out of the body. So the kidney mm-hmm. is where urine is produced. Okay. And then the, every, so urine contains a, a lot of excretory um, chemicals out of the system. And also, of course, the kidney also have, um, plays other roles. It produces hormones. In fact, it's part of, it's part of the vitamin D um, cycle. And so when you have kidney damage, it can affect your ability to, uh, to use vitamin mm-hmm. D, mm-hmm. which has impact on your bones. So, I mean, there's a lot of so interconnection. The, so, so full blood count, uh, uh, liver function test, and also a kidney. And a kidney function, function test. test. Very important. Of course, you should check your eyes. People hardly, like, <laughs> hardly, hardly, hardly check their eyes. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, people, I, they, they say, they say that they are. <laughs> I have a couple of uh, friends, and, and they, they tell me that when when they wore glasses, the glasses spoiled their eye, yes. which is not actually true. Mm-hmm. The glasses makes you more aware of how bad your eyes were, mm-hmm. you know, because your brain adjust to the bad nature of your eye, and so you're able to kind kind of see. But once you mm-hmm. now wear the glasses, the brain sort of relaxes. So now you, you actually, when you take off the glasses, it takes you a while to now be able to read without glasses. It's not that the glasses are spoiling your eye. It's now it's that you are now more aware of how bad your eyes were. So mm. we need to take care of our eye because the eye is also a window to the body. A lot of things that go on in the eye can tell you that um, there's a problem somewhere. So mm. for instance, typical example, when you have yellowing of your eye, we call it jaundice. Mm-hmm. Jaundice is not a disease, it's a symptom. But when you have jaundice of the eye, it tells you that there's a problem with your liver. Mm. Yes. So then it means we have to investigate the liver to find out what's going on. A lot of things go on in the eye that can, for instance, somebody who is hypertensive, who has no idea he or she is hypertensive. If a doctor looks in the eye, you can see certain signs out there. Are you hypertensive? No, I'm not. I'm, I'm not hypertensive. But then they check the BP and they realize that indeed you are hypertensive. Wow. So just by having an eye check can give us an idea of what's going on in your body. So eye test is very, very, very important. But these are general. Specifically, if you're a male, and especially if you're 40 years and above, you need to be taking care of your prostate. Mm-hmm. Especially if you have a family history of prostate illness, you need to take adv- take um, care of your prostate. And by this point, let me just say that every male, every male will have a prostate enlargement from 40 years going. However, not every prostate enlargement will cause symptoms. And so, um, if you don't check, you may not know. Maybe this prostate enlargement is benign, 
that process enlargement has something going on, some cancer or something hiding somewhere. Mm-hmm. So you have to check it from 40 going. If there's family issue, you have to start checking it much earlier. Very mm-hmm. important. If you are female, mm-hmm. of course, you have to be checking your breast. Mm-hmm. Or the breast, the males also check their breast, but the females, because they have more breast tissue, mm-hmm. they have to check their breast more regularly. Mm-hmm. You have to also check your cervix. Mm-hmm. And the thing about cervix is that you cannot see with your eye. So mm-hmm. somebody else has to do that check on your behalf. Mm-hmm. So that's also very, very, very important. Um, if you push it, you can also check your uterus because there are some uterine um, events, uterine cancer, ovarian cancer in the female. Life. That, that also needs to be checked for occasionally. But this one is not something you do every day. Mm. Maybe once a year, you go and have an ultrasound scan to check the status of your uterus and your ovaries. Mm. With respect to children, it's always uh, controversial when it comes to screening because we don't really tend to screen children except there's a health challenge because we assume that children are healthy. But of course, if you have a child who is overweight, you might want to you know, take the person to a hospital or to see a nutritionist and then a few things can be checked to make sure that the person is within the, the normal limits or not. Because the fact that the child is big doesn't necessarily mean that he or she is overweight. They are mm-hmm. measurements. When it comes to children, we have to take measurements. And they take measurements of the arm, the mm-hmm. thigh, to make sure that they fall within what we call the centile. Mm-hmm. You know, so a child, it, 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 it's not advisable to just use your eyes to tell that this child is overweight. No, take the person to the professional, let them have their proper checkup and then the appropriate advice can be given. Mm. All right, let's do a few questions. Bernard, please ask your guest whether prostate is prostate is hereditary cancer because my dad has the condition. This is coming from Lord. So that's what I mean by if there's a family history of prostate disease, you have to, ke- to check yours more frequently because, yes, it runs in families as well. Mm. And then, um, good, night, good morning, Thomas Edison said, the doctor of the future will give no medicine but will interest his patients in the care of the human frame in diet and the cause and prevention of disease. So for me, prevention is cure. When it comes to our health, it's the way to go. This is Marvin from Caprice. Finally, any special quick tips on things to do to keep healthy? People do exercise. Some people like doing all those things. Is that something you recommend? Yes. So being active is something that I would definitely recommend. I mean, and sometimes, you see, it's a, it's a lifestyle. You have to live it all the time. Mm. You know, um, for instance, you, you, you drive to the office, but then there's an elevator that goes up to your floor. Instead of using the elevator, mm-hmm. use the staircase. Okay. You know, that is more, that is what we mean when we say active lifestyle. Mm. You, going to the gym is good, but going to the gym to lift weight is really, it's, it's just for, for, to look good. Mm-hmm. When it comes to health, the exercises that impact your health are the aerobic exercises, mm-hmm. the jogging, the swimming, tennis, I mean lawn tennis, those are the, or the treadmill for, for example, those are the things that impact your cardiovascular health and those are the ones that will help you live longer. Mm-hmm. When you go to the gym and all you do is push weights, you are really not doing much for your cardiovascular health. You are just going to look good, which is also a good thing, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and so, but lifestyle is important. So, walk where you can walk to so that you don't drive all the time. Walking is a good ex- a good form of exercise. So if you can walk, do walk. Um, if you can jog, definitely jog. But one thing you have to understand is that consistency is very, very important when it comes to lifestyle changes. Mm-hmm. And so it's not about it's not about taking it easy all through the week and then Saturday you go and jog three hours. No, <laughs> that one will actually not do much for your, for your health. It's about doing it probably every other day for the rest of your life. That is consistency and it's going to have the impact you are looking for. Thank you very much, Dr. Kelvin Osu, our medical doctor for today's edition of the Effective Living Series is from Optima Care and Diagnostics. We are based at Regina Craft. We appreciate your time, Doc. Thank you so much. Thank and you. That's all we have time for for today's edition of the City Breakfast Show. My name is Bernard Avila.